You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday afternoon. Now, let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. Now, the Hong Kong Re- Young Readers Festival has kicked off today. And from today all the way through to the 30th of April, authors from across the globe and also local authors will take part in this annual event, visiting schools and also coming on The 123 Show to chat with us. And this afternoon, I'm really, really delighted to welcome back on the program Suzanne Yunnan, who is one of the authors of this year's Young Young Readers Festival and Suzanne joins us live in the studio this afternoon to talk about empowering young people on environmental issues through her work. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us, Suzanne. Thanks for having me, Noreen. It's great to see you this afternoon. We are live uh, this afternoon on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And <laughs> Suzanne's just witnessed me sort of trying to relearn the studio. Um, we're back in the Broadcasting House studio, so it's great to be able to use this new setup with my very first guest of the week. Um, so, Suzanne, um, oh, for our listeners, uh, do join us this afternoon. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see the new setup if you like. Um, so, first of all, tell us a little bit more about your book, the Green Dragon. Uh, what is it about? Well, you've got two books. First of all, tell us about the first book, The Green Dragon. What is it about? So The Green Dragon is a story about a friendly dragon in Hong Kong who has uh, many friends. He's kind and caring. And unfortunately, the story of Willie the Green Dragon is that his friends get into some trouble and have some problems with plastic in the ocean, plastic in the environment. And uh, in, in fact, Willie also gets into trouble also, and a young boy comes to help him and save him. Okay. Where did this idea come from? Well, um, back in 2017, September 2017, there was a huge typhoon that you might remember, Typhoon Hato, and um, it, it did some damage in Hong Kong, and the beaches were left in quite a state. Was and it with all the microplastic that was sort of washed up in the Yeah, in the not seas? just microplastics. There just was some sorts. pretty large yeah. items deposited on the beaches. And I was, um, I saw on Facebook that there was a group, uh, the Stanley Cleanup Crew, who wanted to go down and, and do a cleanup. So I joined them. I was very shocked. It's a beach that I went down to Mohang Beach in Stanley. And it's a beach that I frequent very often with my dog. Um, he loves to swim there and I was really shocked to see the state of the beach and it was quite I got quite angry about just how much pollution there was in the ocean so we spent quite a few hours cleaning up and managed to collect a lot of bags of rubbish what sorts of things did you collect oh my goodness there was everything you could possibly imagine shoes lots of shoes plastic cutlery bottles and cans boats chairs (laughs) Engines. Chairs? Yes. <laughs> like a- anything you could possibly imagine. It was on the beach. It was quite shocking. Um, where did these, where did this come from? From the ocean. The, the typhoon, the waves just, just washed it up from other places. Picked it up yeah. and, and dumped it on the beach. It was really quite eye opening. Mm. Um, and then exactly a week later, there was another Typhoon 8, a T8. And when I went back to the same beach and was faced with the exact same scene. After all those hours of cleanup, and that just made never me ending. made me really, really angry and cross. Um, yeah, so two ideas really came from that situation, and one was to create uh, Green Dragons Hong Kong, which um, 
is a community within the dragon boating community that ra we raise awareness to uh, plastic in the sport. So that was kind of my first channel. And then um, I realized quite quickly that getting to the children was probably also a very key factor. Yeah, I suppose when you're on the dragon boat, you really sort of see all that mm -hmm. sort of rubbish yeah. all around. Yes, and um, I had uh, been on a dragon boat team about a year at that point, and every week going down to Stanley and seeing the rubbish oh. on the beach was... Uh, little distressing so it's just unimaginable mm -hmm. that this is the world we're leaving for the next generation it's sad mm. were you always so passionate about the environment even sort of before seeing all the rubbish or did something about that sort of no I've always and... been quite aware um, I think my primary school growing up in the UK was quite forward-thinking and uh, we were taught something called the countryside code which was all about taking care of the countryside. I lived in a very green rural area and it was all about not littering uh, in the countryside. So I was very conscious about that. And then as a young person, um, recycling, we were always talking about recycling and hearing about it at school. And I used to load up my bicycle handlebars with a couple of bags of cans and bottles every weekend and cycle into town yeah. to recycle so yes I've always been aware of the problem and you were aware about this since you were a little girl mm -hmm. which brings me to my next question how much of it do you think children really understand when it comes to the protection of our environment I, I believe they have a, a good understanding especially if you give them examples on how it impacts animals directly and creatures directly um, I, I think there is a misconception with children that recycling is the answer to everything um, so I try to where does that come from yeah you're right because when you ask children you've got to recycle but as Mm -hmm. through the program we realize actually refusing is the best is exactly. the best way you know yeah. not taking free stuff mm -hmm. that companies give offer to you exactly i don't know how many plastic water bottles i've been given as like a souvenir or like a merchandise mm -hmm. and the first two were great because ah oh, i can use these all the time but then after a while i was like i don't have the space for it at home exactly. and it's still plastic at yeah. the end of the day yeah, and they don't last very long no um i'm not quite sure where that that misconception comes from maybe it is the only thing they see that they are growing up in a time where plastic surrounds them and um, perhaps that is their just their first thought I must recycle this if I'm using it and we have to take them a step backwards and say well there's the option of not buying it in the first place if you possibly can yeah, which mm -hmm. is easy. Children shouldn't really have a lot of money to buy stuff yeah. in the first place. Well, yeah. uh, some 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 do. Mm -hmm. um, so, tell us a little bit more about your story. Uh, you've got two books with you this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Can you hold them up for um, our listeners sure. on Facebook? Um, if you can join us this afternoon, uh, Suzanne Yunan from Green Dragons is with us this afternoon, and she's holding up two books that she's written. That the first one is called The Green Dragon, and the second one is called The Green Dragon and the Oh No Bird. <laughs> What does that mean and where did that title come from? Um, it's from a personal experience. Um, there's a bird in Hong Kong that I'd never heard before I moved here, um, the Asian coal. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and when it sings its song, it's for me, it sounds like it's saying, oh no. Can, can, 
for some of our listeners who don't know what it sounds like, can you do an impression oh of this? Okay. Well, I do read this every every other day. So, so to me, it sounds like it's saying, "Oh no, oh no, oh no." <laughs> yes. So, um, I just thought it was a cute way of bringing another character into the stories. Um, a bird who's trying to warn the islands about what's going on and the litter. And I wanted the children to perhaps, when they hear this bird, have a look around and see if there's anything they can do. Is there any rubbish that they can pick up or clean up? Um, and just think about it again from the perspective of the creatures. Yeah. Um, I mean, as an adult, we have a certain understanding of the protection of the environment. But as a children's book author, how do you sort of digest all of that information and write it in a way so that the children will understand it and also to generate empathy? You know, mm. children are very empathetic naturally. Are, yes. um, and you've, you've, I suppose you've got to write it in a way that generates empathy, but also not overwhelm them so that they feel too mm -hmm. sad. It's, how do you strike that balance? Um, it's it's difficult. I think um, with the second book, I achieved a little bit more of a light-hearted approach. I think um, sometimes I've not read the second one. I read the first one. Oh. It's very beautifully written. Thank you. Yes. Um, and using creatures that they know, locations that they know, I think brings it closer to home for them. Um, and although um, I, I think. Creatures really do have their own personalities. Yeah. Um, every dolphin is different. Every bird has a personality. And just bringing that into a story, I think, helps the children a lot. Yeah. Yeah. As an author, how do you sort of stay creative? I mean, what inspires you to write? It sounds like you're so observant, like a bird. The oh no bird yeah. sort of becomes a character. Yeah. What else inspires you? Well, I walk a lot. Um, I hike with my dog almost every day um, sometimes I don't quite manage it um, you have a very cute dog it's the picture in the Young Readers Festival pamphlet yes, <laughs> yes. if our listeners do go there yeah, <laughs> you, you'll be able to, to, to see Suzanne's dog and, and her profile um, festival.org.hk is the website to go to so, so we walk and um, I just feel very relaxed and calm in nature and I try to slow down and observe what I see and some things just strike me as funny or sad or unusual and I try to work them in to the stories so um, the stories just come to me when I'm walking um, I had an idea for um, a third book and um, wow. which is also underway um, and I had the story together but I hadn't figured out yet how it would flow and just walking in the country parks, I will get an idea and it will just pop into my head and I'll be like, oh, okay, I can work with that now. And so it helps a lot. That's brilliant. So creative. So the story comes into your mind. Are the characters there? The dialogue is there? How long does that take to then flesh it out? Do you then have to sit down and think about how to mm -hmm. how, how that pans out? So... Um, the characters usually come to me first and the issues they face. Are they based on people you already know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it is all about um, the animal yeah. and what I see in their personalities when I, when I come across them. Um, 
So um, I don't want to give too much yeah. away about this. <laughs> yeah, book. It's so hard to talk about this because yeah. we don't want to give too much away. Um, yeah, but um, the creatures just strike me as funny, and then there's certain characteristics that you can write in. Um, for example, I will eventually get round to writing a book about the monkeys in Hong Kong. I mean, you just cannot you can't, avoid yeah. them. They're so iconic. Yes, really. Yeah. So you know, monkeys are cheeky and naughty, and they take the food from you. Yes, uh, but also part of the problem is that people feed them mm -hmm. um, and it sort of breeds that dependency exactly. from them and, and they and that's when they mm -hmm. some uh, get more I don't know if aggressive is a word but sort of you know they just want food yes exactly yeah. they become more dependent on the humans bringing yeah. them food and maybe they get a little lazy or they don't know how to forage for their own food anymore so it is a problem exacerbated by the humans keep bringing them yeah when you first started your book the green dragon did you expect to write a sequel and did you expect it to have that sort of longevity no, actually, it was uh, it was a brand new project for me. Um, I'd written some books for my son uh, as he was growing up, but they were just for us to share. And I never thought that I would actually write uh, a book to publish. So I just... What's his reaction? He's proud he's of He's very his, proud, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so I just decided that I would take it a step at a time and see how comfortable I was with it. And another step came, and then it led to another step. And before I knew it, I'd found my illustrator, Caroline, who's just amazing. And um, then that led on to the next step of finding an editor. So it just kind of evolved by itself so that's amazing because you weren't a, you weren't an author before it says this is no. everything is new you're just learning on the job so to speak yes definitely yeah and um i had no idea how much work is involved as well <laughs> it's always glamorous like oh you've got a book but then it's actually a lot of hard work it is yeah. um were there any sort of writer's circle or some sort of network you could get to get the sort of information you know who to go to to get your book published or um who to connect with when, when it comes to finding illustrators um well i found that many people i was incredibly lucky um i'm fortunate that i would have conversations with people and I would just ask a question like, would you know a group of editors or is there some organization? And then somebody would put me in touch with somebody. Everyone was very generous with their information and time. I had a lot of meetings with people. There was also a lot of um, research that I did by myself on whether to self-publish or go the traditional yeah. route. So. Um, I wanted to control the project by myself, so I decided to self-publish. Yeah. yeah. Well, for some of our listeners tuning in, if you're looking to publish a book yourself, maybe Suzanne is the perfect person to, to speak to. Um, we are live this afternoon on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, and I think we've got some viewers there as well. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on Facebook. Um, Regina says, hi, Regina. Good afternoon to you. Uh, Regina says, loving this. What a great way to make nature and environment protection accessible to children through stories will definitely look up these books for my kids and oh. um, she said PS love the bird impression too <laughs> 
<laughs> Wonderful. Um, finally, um, we touched on this a little bit, uh, Suzanne, but um, are you doing any sort of school visits this year? Because part of the Young Readers Festival mm-hmm. is so that uh, local students get to know some of the local authors, mm-hmm. but also they get to meet you and speak yes. to you directly. Yes. Um, what will you be doing with them? So um, some of the visits are still by Zoom, unfortunately, but I am lucky enough to be able to go into schools and do a couple of visits. Um, So I will read the book to them and I will talk about the reasons uh, why I wrote the book and what inspired me. And we'll hold hold a question and answer session at the end, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. There's always so many great questions and there's always one or two that totally surprise me which is children wonderful. ask the best questions mm-hmm. um, wh- what sorts of things do they ask you um how much money do you make i no, think that's, actually i've not had that oh, one really? <laughs> they always seem to ask that question i'm like where did that come okay. from <laughs> um just it's really really random some some little girl few few months ago she told me that she loved my long golden hair and was it really mine <laughs> So not related to the book. Sometimes but. not. Other times um, it is, which is great. Um, I get asked how many cle- beach cleanups I do. Um, why do people throw things in the ocean? Um, why are the grown-ups not doing enough about this problem? That's just so heartbreaking to answer. Yeah, yeah. What do you usually say? Um, well, I ask them if they can help me and help Willie the Green Dragon um, spread the message um, because they have a powerful voice. They yeah. can be little superheroes and with um, polite questions and polite suggestions they can actually make a change um, in their parents minds or grandparents or school teachers whatever absolutely um i, I think uh, suzanne and i we, we spoke about a month ago and you had a team of really really talented young students who won a competition that you ran and um, for our listeners if you get an opportunity to uh, do revisit that on our facebook page you'll be able to see suzanne and four really talented students uh-huh. uh, who, who joined us uh, with their songs and it's true there's something about sort of music that sort of drums in that me- that that message to them and stories as well it really really is the best way um, finally, before I let you go, have you got any upcoming projects that you're working on right now? Um, well, the music competition has <laughs> just finished, so um, we're that was a lot of hard work, so we're just coming to the end of that. Um, much of my work in the next month um, is working for the Literary Festival, which has now been extended into May, um, so that it gives the schools more of an opportunity to uh, book the authors. Um, so I'm also doing um, some book readings in a couple of malls for oh, the Literary Festival um, and hope, hopefully partnering up with some other organisations to help spread the message. But it's all about raising awareness. Congratulations, Suzanne. Thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing and also for the next generation through your own work, through your books. Um, for our listeners, uh, do be sure to, to, to visit. Have you got a website that we can yes. go to? Yes. Um, Willie has his own website, www.dracoviridi.com, which is actually Green Dragon in Latin. Um, and he has Facebook, Brilliant. Instagram and YouTube. All channels of communication (laughs) is wide open for Willie the Dragon. And we've been speaking to the author of the book, Suzanne Yunnan. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Noreen. Thanks.